did Jesus' apostles handle the beginning of a new dispensation which included elements of spiritual truth that were unique, never before seen in the history of the world? Our teacher, Dr. John Whitcomb, explains how Christ informed his disciples that something new was about to happen with the dawn of the church age. Yet, they did not fully understand these concepts, even in their places of leadership over God's people. Hello friends, I'm Wayne Shepherd, inviting you to listen to more of Volume 4 in a study of Acts, Witness of the Early Church. It's our current series here on Encounter God's Truth from Whitcomb Ministries. You can always find more timeless truths for changing times in our library at sermonaudio.com slash Whitcomb. All the volumes in this series are there, along with many more broadcasts, sermons, lectures, and writings by Dr. Whitcomb, who served the Lord faithfully for seven decades. We're grateful for the assistance of Middletown Bible Church in Middletown, Connecticut, where this lesson was recorded as part of the Independent Fundamental Bible Conference, and which has provided this audio for us to use here on Encounter God's Truth. Dr. Whitcomb spent his life focusing on the Old Testament, but he greatly enjoyed taking up the study of the history of the church in the New Testament book of Acts in his later years. He directs us to the end of Acts chapter 11, explaining how the gospel went as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch in the conclusion of this message called, As for Us, So for Them. Here now is Dr. John Whitcomb. Words. Friends, that's the dynamic under the Holy Spirit in the whole history of the human race. Words. Words. Words from heaven above. Uh, Words inscribed in a book by the Holy Spirit. The words that we're to speak to all people. Words under God are infinitely important, essential, and foundational for salvation and sanctification. Words. As I began to speak... The Holy Spirit fell on them as on us at the beginning. Acts 2 verse 4. And then remembered I the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed, that's John the Baptist, indeed baptized you with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Acts 1 5. And so for many, many days, months in fact, This had been anticipated by the Lord Jesus. And the uh, apostles didn't really fathom what that meant, of course, at that time. Uh, They couldn't see the distinctives of the church in their public work ministry with Jesus during those three and a half years. But he was dropping hints now and then, wasn't he? That something new is coming. And uh, John the Baptist is not the final messenger of God on how things will happen and John himself had a little hint of that himself didn't he I'm just a friend of the bridegroom and and he's the bridegroom and and you disciples are going to leave me and go to him and he'll become greater and I'll get less and less what an amazing insight God gave to John the Baptist on this see something drastically different is coming and Jesus remember in uh Matthew 16 talked about, on this rock I'll build my church. I will build my church, ecclesia. They didn't know what that meant. Matthew 18, and here's how the church will function, by confronting people who are heretical or out of discipline, and you confront one, and then you bring witnesses with you to confront again, and then you bring before the whole ecclesia, the church. And would you kindly agree with me that Jesus knew what was coming, 
he knew what the church would be. No surprise to him. It was a mystery hidden from men, but not from him, as to the identity and function of the church. The apostles, of course, were really in almost total darkness on the functions, distinctives of the church. And Peter's struggles through these months and months and years is a visible evidence in Scripture, the fact that uh, these apostles just didn't know what was going on. They didn't have a faintest idea. A new dispensation had begun that had unique characteristics never before seen in the history of the world. So uh, Peter says, Jesus told us something new is coming. John baptized you with water, but you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days hence. And of course, uh, just 10 days after he finished saying that, he sent the Holy Spirit from the third heaven to which he had ascended. And uh, Jesus baptized these 120 people in the Holy Spirit in Acts 2. And that was the new dispensation. Now, isn't that fascinating, friends? Here were people that were born-again people who were chosen people under Jesus to be his apostles who were in the church age and didn't even know it for years. It's a major point in the book of Acts. It's not even going to be totally solved when we get to Acts 15, as we shall see. And so here today, we have the same problem. We have perhaps millions of Christians and thousands of pastors and teachers who are in the church age and don't even know what they're in. They're not dispensationalists. They think they're still in the program of Israel or something. And uh, that is a, a major issue because, friends, knowing what dispensation you are in, as we've seen, doesn't determine your eternal destiny, your salvation, but determines how you properly function, effectively function in the plan and purpose of God in the program you're in. And so as this age, this church age comes to an end, we find vast confusion all over again. What program are we in here? What's the function and purpose and destiny of the church? How does the church differ from Israel, if at all? And so uh, this has to be done all over again. It'd be nice to have the Apostle Peter here to talk to us in this uh, late phase of church history to enlighten us on the fact that he finally found out what program he was in. Verse 17, for as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? Now you see the connection between verse 14, who shall tell thee words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. So verse 17 these people believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. There were no babies here saved. Believers were saved. And that's true today. And when they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. This was absolutely astounding. And I say, well, Lord... Were they serious about that statement? I mean, were they sincere? Did they really agree with Peter? We're now in a new dispensation. We're in the church age. The middle wall is broken down. We Jews and Gentiles are now in equal standing with each other in one body in Christ. Not really. Horrible things are yet to happen because these Judaizers, I mean, these are born-again Jews, please. 
born-again Jews who are Judaizers are saying, you can't really follow consistently what happened for Cornelius and his household, sir. Say, really? What were they thinking? May I offer a suggestion? They were probably thinking, you know what? You're right, Peter. We agree with you. I mean, here are the six witnesses confirm with you. Uh, we'll go with that. Cornelius is a special case. See? Right here in the Holy Land. He's a special case. And special cases like him, Jesus will tolerate till the second coming, perhaps. He's sort of on the outer fringe, you see, of the people of God. An exceptional case. But really... That doesn't mean all Gentiles have access to God's heaven without becoming Jews because the same thing is going to come up again and again in later chapters and in the book of Galatians. And we're beginning to think the Jews never, I'm talking about Jewish believers, the Jews never fathomed the magnitude of what God told them through Peter until when? till after A.D. 70. Till Jerusalem was smashed, the temple destroyed, the sacrifices ended, and Judaism as an official theocracy of God on earth came to a crashing halt. Then it began to sink in. Oh, Jesus must have been right after all. Peter must have been right. Uh, Maybe the Gentile Christians are now the thing. Uh, maybe we have been the true branches now broken off from the tree of divine blessing. He's grafting in other branches now. You see, other sheep have I that are not of this whole. Them also must I bring. The dawning of a new day, I think, hard to prove, began for Jewish Christians after A.D. 70. This is going to be very hard now on Peter and later especially on Paul as the chapters of book of Acts go on and on and on on this issue okay and I say well Lord I just don't understand how slow these people were to catch on to new revelation coming even through the chief of the apostles whom they must have recognized you see as the one that Jesus appointed to be the number one of the twelve they are very very slow to follow the implications of what Peter told them Now, verse 19. They which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen. Now remember, Stephen was a what? A Greek-speaking Jew. He was a believer. Uh, He was a Christian believer. He was one of the seven deacons, Acts 6, who spoke boldly, accurately, powerfully for his Lord especially challenging and confronting Hellenistic Jews, that is, unbelieving Greek-speaking Jews, who hated him and tried and succeeded finally in murdering him. They didn't even bother going through the official Roman channels, you see, to have this man executed. It was a mob scene. They were so enraged by Stephen's powerful preaching and Christ-centered message. And the result of his martyrdom was absolutely tremendous. God used that to get mostly the Greek-speaking Christians thrown out of Jerusalem, scattered to the ends of the Mediterranean Sea, to carry with them the what? 
the precious seed of the gospel, the word of the Lord, everywhere. Not a good way to go. Wouldn't you prefer to have a mission society send you? If you are thinking of that possibility, please uh, talk to Dr. Moritz. That's the way to go today, isn't it? Have a board, a mission board, talk to you, pray with you, discuss these things with you. Illumine and enlighten you, train you, prepare you, equip you, help you to raise your support, and pray for you. And uh, praise the Lord, I had the privilege of serving for 25 years on a foreign board. And friends, it is a wonderful thing to see how God can do this. But don't you think that's a better way today than to be forced out to the ends of the earth by persecution? Well, of course, the Jewish Christians were very hesitant to have a foreign board to reach Gentiles. <laughs> so God said, thank you, I will take care of this myself. And he scattered these Christians all over the Mediterranean. And here they are. Are you ready? They traveled as far as Phoenicia. That is, of course, uh, today Lebanon, north of Israel on the Mediterranean coast, where Tyre and Sidon were located. And Cyprus, that big island in the eastern part of the Mediterranean where Barnabas came from as a Levite. And Antioch, oh my, a city of 800,000 people. A pagan idolatrous center, of course, where the worship of Daphne carried on and other horrible things. It was sort of called, we might call it the Las Vegas of the Orontes River of Eastern Mediterranean world, next only to Alexandria and Rome in population and in significance as a commercial center and a very strategic place for a significant Gentile church to be established. Now, we know that Cornelius and his family became a church. At least we think so. Doesn't say that. But here officially we're told a church was established in Antioch of all places. But there was one problem. Do you see it at the end of verse 19? Look at this. But these men were preaching the word to none but unto whom? Jews only, you see. These people have not been enlightened yet on the openness of the Great Commission as Jesus stated it and confirmed through Peter. But, praise the Lord, some other more enlightened Hebrew Christians come along in verse 20, but some of them were men of Cyprus, remember that's Barnabas now, that's his home, and Cyrene, where's that? North Africa, okay, what did today, probably Libya. And you remember there was a man that came from Cyrene that carried the cross of Jesus. Which when they were come to Antioch spake unto the Grecians, now that means, friends, Greeks, not Greek-speaking Jews. These are Gentile Greeks preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Now, what a wonderful outworking of something that began to happen when the Lord Jesus uh, was still teaching and preaching to the people of Israel. 
Let me turn back to John chapter 7, verse 35. Watch what was beginning to happen. Well, let's start with John 7, 32. And the Pharisees heard that the people murmured such things concerning him. That is, when the Christ, the Messiah, comes, will he do more miracles than these which this man hath done? The Pharisees were enraged when they heard the people saying things like this. And the Pharisees and chief priests sent officers to take him. And then Jesus said to them, Yet a little while I am with you, and then I go unto him that sent me. And ye shall seek me, and shall not find me. And where I am, thither ye cannot come. And then said the Jews among themselves, Whither will he go, that we shall not find him? Now watch. Will he go unto the dispersed among the Gentiles? In other words, the diaspora, the Jews that are spread all over the Mediterranean world and their little synagogues and so forth outside of Israel, the Hellenistic Jews, in other words. And watch this. And teach the Gentiles. See? The Greeks. Is he going to do that? What does he mean? What manner of saying is this that he said, Ye shall seek me and shall not find me, and where I am thither you cannot come. And Jesus, of course, made it clear that he's talking about a new age, a new dispensation that he's going to unveil. And uh, I'd like to invite you to turn to John chapter 12 to see what he meant by that. John 12, beginning in verse 20. And there were certain Greeks. Now, these are Gentile Greeks. Among them that came up to worship at the feast. Okay. And the same came therefore to Philip. He has a Greek name. I'm not saying he was Greek, but they may have thought he was, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. And Philip cometh and telleth Andrew. And again, Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. Now, don't you think that would have been a wonderful time for Jesus to say, Wonderful occasion to announce my worldwide ministry. No, he was a minister of the circumcision exclusively and he had no message for outsiders beyond Israel. Isn't that amazing? You remember one Syrophoenician woman came to him, a Canaanite woman, said, you know, heal my daughter. And he said, we don't cast the bread belonging to children, to dogs. And what was their answer? Even little dogs can eat crumbs from the master's table. She said, great is your faith, your daughter's healed. A little hint right there of what's coming. See, a pure Gentile believer just like these. And uh, so he said in verse 23, the hour is come and the Son of Man should be glorified. In other words, until I have died for the sins of the world and have come back from the dead... And have sent the Spirit of God to create the church. I have no official message yet for Greeks. See? Not yet. But it's coming. Say, really? Well, look down here at verse uh, 31. Now is the judgment of this world. And now shall the prince of this world be cast out. If I be lifted up from the earth, will draw what? All men unto me Greeks Romans whatever how about Americans think of that statement 
I'll draw all men to me. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that all men will be saved. It means God is going to make the message available to all men. Unlimited atonement, unlimited message, unlimited outreach to the ends of the earth uh, through God's people. And I say, well, Lord, thank you. Thank you for this. You had a plan right from the beginning, and you are unfolding it, unveiling it step by step by step. By the way, that raises very interesting questions. To what extent are we here today, this hour, uh, involved personally in reaching out to the ends of the earth? It's been very impressive to me to see this week. I've met a gentleman from Egypt and another one from India and a dear lady from the Philippines. My wife speaks that language, Tagalog. We were there. She was there for 11 years as a missionary. As far as Connecticut is concerned, Philippines, like is at the end of the world from here. And uh, a brother from uh, Tanzania, Eli Mwanga. Stand up, please. Thank you. From East Africa, translating material for, into Swahili for those people. And others from other places, I'm sure. So we are aware, are we not, of the cosmopolitan character of the body of Christ today, even in this assembly here? Yes. But what are we actually doing in personal involvement and in reaching out, reaching out to people all over the world in the Great Commission? I'm personally kind of burdened about that. What am I doing? How am I helping? I can't go everywhere, but what can I do to help other people to go that can go and should be going? And, and to pray for them and support them and reach out. And Jesus said, I'm going to draw all men, all men, all people to myself because of the work I'm going to accomplish when I crush the serpent's head on that cross and Satan is officially judicially cast out. He is a defeated angel. And the sentence hasn't been executed yet, but it will be. And we have, therefore, infinite power with the Lord Jesus to carry the message, yes, to the ends of the earth. So I say, well, Lord, thank you for this. Thank you. A number of those Gentiles in Antioch believed and turned unto the Lord. A new, genuine Gentile church. Because you see down here, please, in verse 26, look at this quickly. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled together with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called what? Christians, first at Antioch, Christians. Now that term will be used again uh, later in the book of Acts, chapter 26, when uh, the king says to Paul, are you trying to make me a Christian? And in 1 Peter 4, 16, let not anyone who carries the name Christian ever be guilty, you see, of doing evil and thus suffer persecution. No, you are to be persecuted only for doing Christian things, uh, biblical things, God-honoring things, and thus the name Christian is to be protected from corruption and perversion. That's Dr. John Whitcomb concluding his talk on this theme, As for Us, So for Them, bringing us to the conclusion of Acts chapter 11. It's the first sermon in Volume 4 of our series titled Acts, Witness of the Early Church. To download a free commentary on the book of Acts written by Dr. Whitcomb and Pastor George Zeller of Middletown Bible Church, visit us online at whitcombministries.org. 
And for our latest news, join us at facebook.com slash Whitcomb Ministries. I'm Wayne Shepherd. so grateful for the opportunity that we have to minister to you with Dr. Whitcomb's messages, doing the work of the Great Commission each week here on this Bible teaching program, Encounter God's Truth. God's Word is true from the beginning to the end. May it impact each of our lives powerfully to the glory of God this very week. Dr. Wickham returns now to conclude our program in prayer. Father, I just want to praise you for this passage of Scripture that is so rich. It just scintillates and vibrates with significance as we look carefully word after word, verse after verse, chapter after chapter. Help us to be expository teachers of the Word and allow the Holy Spirit to tell us what He meant by what He said. Thank you, Father, for the joy of knowing our relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ, not based on any merit of ours, but upon your plan and your perfect provision by the Holy Spirit through the Word. Guide our thinking and help us to be even more fruitful and effective, yes, to the ends of the earth. I do pray for those again who are here from other countries that you will speak to them and that they in turn somehow will take whatever is true and effective and helpful to them and fruitful in their own thinking to the people that they know that the message of this week may not be confined to Middletown, Connecticut. Thank you for this wonderful conference and the privilege of having a small part through the years in this great ministry. I thank you for the leadership here and praise you for your mercies. In Jesus' name, amen.